From the Stick of Butter Studios in New Brighton, Minnesota, I'm Ann Lindholm, and this show has everything. It's been a week, people, which we'll talk about. And uh, given the circumstances of of uh, personal tribulations, show tribulations, national tributa- tribulations, we thought, nah, we're not really feeling it today. So let's get real and talk about our feelings. Yeah. I had to run to the bathroom while Hillary was talking and grab a whole fistful of toilet paper. Because I'm like, shit, I'm going to need Kleenex for this. <laughs> Can't be prepared. Yep. <laughs> And so abandoning our original plan, I have uh, three people joining me to get sad today. Uh, first up uh, from the Allentown neighborhood of Buffalo, New York, it's Bobby Pape. Good morning, Bobby. <sighs> Good morning, Ann. <laughs> from the middle-aged and frazzled Palmer Studios in Austin, Texas, it's Hillary Livingston Butler. Good morning, Hillary. Good morning, Ann. And from Old Man Studios in the Mountain Room at the Ranch in Manchac, Texas, it's Mike the Jail Dude Frizzell. Good morning, Mike. Good morning. I'm for the first time. I'm joining everyone on several platforms. <laughs> <laughs> it's the funniest part of this recording is how many platforms Mike is using. <laughs> All because your microphone cord was "quote unquote" compromised. Compromised. It was compromised. <laughs> so here's the thing. It's Sunday. Um, well, it's morning central. It's just afternoon in East East Coast time. Uh, we recorded a show yesterday, 24 hours ago. Actually, we recorded an hour and 55 minutes of a show <laughs> yesterday. And as and we, we were, were done, we were not done. Guys, yeah. it was a really good show. <laughs> and as we were um, winding up, the medium talk and um, enjoying our, our virtual road trip through the United States. We had a technical glitch. That I was had nobody's a fault. Glitch. Well, I wasn't going to, you know, <laughs> throw you under the hey. bus. Put it on you, Bobby, because it wasn't your I've fault. I've had a worse road trip than, than this. I had a bigger disaster on a road trip than this. That's so true. Don't worry about it. You're fine. Um, but we, you know, we used to use... We have used uh, the Zencaster program to virtually meet online. It was, you know, the Zoom of its time. Uh, but that was so buggy and it would, the quality would be bad and it would kick people out. And so eventually we said, you know what, let's just not record on it. Let's just record individually. And that's great, but that's flying without a net. And the net broke yesterday. And so <laughs> we're regrouping. And then we fell through the net that was below. <laughs> And our legs got tangled in the net and we couldn't get out. <laughs> it was embarrassing. It only got more embarrassing as the day wore on and as this morning is. You know. Yep. And we woke up this morning and, you know, it just hasn't been a great week. No. For not. our country. No. For my city. Yeah. For other cities now. No. And we thought, you know, let's just lean into this for God's sake, and be a little real right now and talk about this. So we don't really have much of a plan. We're not going to do small talk and medium talk. I think it's just going to be sad talk. Yeah. Maybe we'll do a little Tishi recommends if there's something that might lift spirits. I have something that popped into my mind. We'll do a very small amount of housekeeping because, you know, 
you can't let things fall into disarray in your no. personal space. Right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And maybe At least we'll put stuff in piles. We can deal with it later. <laughs> exactly. That's Just the way get I the do it. Dust out of the major through ways and uh, sure. and call it good. And then we'll mm-hmm. let you know how how you can participate in the show, how you can get involved and maybe tell us how you're feeling and we can have a little time of communion and fellowship. And this is starting to sound very churchy. Fellowship <laughs> in a non-religious way. Mm. Yeah. Um, so I don't know where to start. Obviously, we're going to talk about riots and we're going to talk about looting. But as many of people have pointed out, it it's the death of of George Floyd, who is just the the latest in a string of offenses against African-American people in this country. And, you know, it feels really weird to be four white people yeah. sitting around here yeah. in our in our privilege. That word that's become a buzzword lately. But um, I guess we're going to try and talk about it without centering ourselves in the narratives, as white people so often do. <laughs> so often. <laughs> so often. So as we talk about the the carnage going on, I think we have to remember the, the 400 years of carnage yeah. that have gone on before this. Um, I actually, I highly recommend... Um, I watched a video that Trevor Noah put up that's like 15 or 18 minutes the other day that's kind of connecting the Ahmaud Arbery and this whole Amy Christian Cooper yeah. thing. Yeah. Boy, uh, unfortunate that they had the same I thing. always, I keep saying, I'm like, oh, this, these the poor like journalists are, always have to say they are not related. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, and it's interesting to see the... the Whereas some uh, news outfits are just like, we're just going to use their first names yeah. because <laughs> yeah. that's the only way to do it. Yeah. But then, you know, um, crescendoing into what happened to, to George Floyd here and, and uh, Trevor Noah. So he put together this video where he kind of connected the dots and he talked a lot about uh, the social contract. that every, Everybody says, why are they rioting? And he says, why aren't they rioting more? Because we've had that we put together as a society, this social contract that says, you know, we in power will give you this. And in return, you who are not in power will behave this way. And that's how we're all going to get along. And they've had 400 years, well, 250 years of not being included in the social contract at all. And then 150 years of having the social contract broken and no wonder people feel like, you know, why should I have to obey the things that that society has said when society has proved over and over and over that doesn't value me as a person? Yeah. So I remember when Black Lives Matter first started some years ago and they were doing some protests here in the Twin Cities where they blocked the major, well, 35W. Uh, and And I saw that and I was like, man, I just I agree with their 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 issues i am so totally on their side i just don't know that this is the right way to accomplish this because you're never going to win the hearts and minds of people it means you know some somebody who is trying to get to a custody hearing for their kids now can't get to the court because they can't get down the highway or somebody who's going to the dentist misses their dentist appointment it's all stupid right but that affects how people think about this but I've really I think in the last few years come to the 
understanding that it's not my place to judge how marginalized people choose to voice their rage and their pain. You know, I may not think that it's um, helpful, but it's not my place to pass judgment on the way they express their emotions. So that's where I'm sitting in, you know, um, close proximity to a place that looks like Syria, you know, in, in some parts of the street, not the whole city, but, you know, in areas that I have spent time in and driven through, um, the main areas of destruction here are sort of in downtown, well, it's called uptown, but, you know, in, in Minneapolis and I'm a good 15, 20 minute drive from that. So it's been really quiet up here, but a lot of the looting and the rioting has, you know, spread up and down. And I've, I've heard that um, as an area becomes looted out, people will move on to the next area. We actually, they closed down the University of Minnesota. I mean, we were on basically shut down anyway because of the pandemic, but they actually sent everybody home on Friday except for fire life safety kind of people. So all of our, like our electrician crews and our plumbing crews and so forth have to work on campus because they have to physically be there to work in the buildings. They all got sent home because they said, just in case we're not going to put our people in danger. So it's been a wild few days here. And Mm -hmm. I know that uh, not all the people who have been um, creating chaos have good intentions, but also I am highly spe- uh, skeptical about this. Oh, it's all outside agitators because that's that's not true. Yeah, yeah. they're it's definitely chaos yeah. actors. But I think yeah. that it's a huge temptation to be like, no, 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 it's all bad people coming from outside the city. Yeah, mm. yeah, well, likely no. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure that's the attitude some. that got us here in the in the first place. Yep. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. It's all it's all people trying to get in here. It's all people we imported here to be slaves, and now we had to give them rights. And you know, it's it's all bullshit, man. Yep. I have wondered, uh, seeing federal level people, including our president. <laughs> say how some of these people are coming in from outside the cities like but they're still coming from this country yep mm-hmm. right yeah. like w- everything is pretty locked down right now they're definitely not canadian no <laughs> and possibly i mean Chinese. what is this like a hockey game of course yeah. it's not canadians right it's a, who cares if they're from outside the city limits or not if they're pissed off and they live 15 minutes away from downtown yeah or show show me these Chinese uh, nationalists that are leading. Yeah, these agitators. <laughs> this is this Come is a now. this is a broad angle issue. This is a problem for all of us, even if it's not happening in our backyard. You know, yeah. right? And, and there are talked... there are plenty of people who are out to just break shit in this. Yeah, but yeah. it's not it's not all of them. No, no. I mean, I just always think you know, growing up in the South. Um, I always think when my parents were growing up, um, like the segregation was still like the law of the land, basically. And it's just not that long. You know, my parents are obviously still alive. Like it was not that long ago. You know, it, I don't know why 
I don't know. People are like, all right, you know, we had a black president. Like, time to move on. We did it. (laughs) (laughs) We're not post-racial, like, at all. Um, We don't have any national leadership. Uh, The, you know, articles of the civil rights uh, legislation were demolished pretty much by the Supreme Court. Like, of course, you know. I mean, I'm just adding on to what you said, Anne. It's like... You haven't been allowed to be in the capitalist society, really, only marginally for the last, like, since redlining was banned, which is, like, you know, not even 40 years, really. So it's just as, it's, you know, it's well understandable. I, I get a lot of my, um, like, I don't know, uh, shared, like, not black experience, because I have not had any black experience, but... But uh, Emily uh, was bust in Baton Rouge when she was in high school, and so she has a lot of stories about how how that went and and what went well and what went poorly and and all the the the, the dynamics that are at work. And I I had a different high school experience. Um, they had to import a black person to play on our basketball team when I was a senior. Um, <laughs> But I, I did, you know, I played high level basketball for a long time and, and knew a lot of black guys outside of everything, like outside of work, just recreational, just out on the court, knew these guys. And then I went to prison and got to really know a lot of these guys. And so we, it's, people need to just back the fuck off and let people experience what they're experiencing. That's yep. You know, to your point, Anne, that's that's it. Just support them in any way you can, you know, as long as they're not hurting anyone. So, yep. I think I was struck by what you said, Hillary, about our naivete as as white people. You know, some of us were more affluent than others, but yeah. obviously we all had that privilege. But growing up being so naive and being like, yeah, black people are equal now. We yep. have the civil rights. We're yeah. colorblind. Yeah, go, yeah, go vote. Totally. Go get a job. Come on. Well, yeah, we don't it. have any, any <laughs> slavery anymore. It, I remember, this is so, it's so embarrassing to say this. And I, you know, I thought I got a good education, but I remember when the Malcolm X book or movie came out and I remember thinking, well, I've never really heard that much about Malcolm X. So like, he couldn't have been that important because I haven't really heard about him. <laughs> And, you know, because all you hear about growing up. Like Logan Paul to me. Like, <laughs> yes. Logan Paul. What the fuck yeah. Okay, so this is the first time in the history of the world that Malcolm X and Logan Paul have ever been compared. Yeah, I, yeah, I hooed uh, uh, Malcolm X. Because really, all we were taught was, um, you know, that Malcolm X, once I got, like, deeper into school, Malcolm X was, like, the bad one because he, you know, advocated not violence but he advocated for you know stronger standing up intimidation he made, us, yeah. this, he made us distrust the bow tie until he <laughs> brought it back yeah. <laughs> and martin luther king was the good one and it's just like i read some tweet it was like, some stupid white guy was like this is when we need martin luther king and somebody responded y'all killed him so <laughs> we had our shot <laughs> and it's yeah i mean it's oh just you is... laugh so you don't cry <laughs> i know <laughs> Uh, yeah, well, you yeah. laugh so you don't cry might actually be a show title. 
That's true. What was the other show title we were working on? Oh, Round Robin of Sadness. Yeah. Right. And we decided not to go with that format. (laughs) I I think, I mean, for myself, again, I don't want to center myself in this, but then again, I only have my own experience to to draw back on. Uh, My my learning curve through all of this, I I think there are three stages for white people. And the first is to acknowledge that we live in a racist society still to not be the person that's like, well, we have civil rights. What are they complaining about? To understand that that is, even though the laws on the face of them may be changed, that we live in a deeply racist society where that racism is woven into the fabric of how we live our lives. So that that's a tough one. But then the next stage I think is, acknowledging that you have benefited as a white person from that system. Yeah. You know, whether or not we asked for it, whether or not we agree with it, we as white people have benefited. And the third part and the really hard part, I think then is to acknowledge that you have been complicit in it, that those feelings have lived inside of you, even if you didn't know it. Yeah. You know, if I'm really honest with myself and I'm a person who my my parents didn't talk about race very much. It was more a a modeling of their their behavior of being polite and being respectful to everybody. So, we, you know, we never talked about racism, but to know that I have absorbed some of that messaging and that it's made its way into the the way that I look at the world, that is tough work yes, for us to do. I'm, I'm thinking about that, Anne, as you're speaking in, uh, I, I, I think it's like we can feel the, the, the sympathy and we can recognize what, what's going on and we can really, you know, want to do our part and want to do something, but it's, it's not our place. We need to get out of the way, but we need to be there at, at a moment's notice, if if we see something, you know, because as as people that have not really been like into civil rights as a generation, because we thought, you know, that that battle <laughs> we was did won. it. Yeah, I did it. <laughs> it's um, it it's tough, like you know, because now we've been taking all these wins, but not doing anything to earn them. Yeah, and. And we think there, we think these are all wins, but they're that it's empty. It's an empty record. We're you know, it's like being um, one time in in college we beat a team seventy two to zero in basketball, and the only reason uh, it was not a hundred plus to zero is because the referees called it. Uh, it just you know, it, it, we're born on third base, so yeah. let's let's try to uh, help. The next person, you know, it's, it's hard to know where to offer a hand up, but just, just have your ears open, eyes open. Yep. Help when you can. And, but stay the fuck out of the way when you're not going to be helpful. Yep. The things that I've been really like, think trying to, like you were saying, and you know, how 
I wasn't raised in an actively racist household at all. You know, my parents are pretty progressive, but it still persists and really trying to examine. So it wasn't like, you know, like I wasn't not allowed to be friends with black people or whatever. It wasn't this hardcore Southern kind of Ku Klux Klan situation, but like, but just acknowledging, um, ways that I've said nothing, you know, if somebody was being kind of racist or, or, or if I was sort of being racist, um, again, not like in a, caricature kind of way but just like just being complicit mm-hmm. and not saying anything is the thing that is is the that i i try to examine in myself and it's hard it's really hard yeah. i mean let me bounce this thing off bobby um because of the the region of the country that i live in now and contrasting to to seattle uh i i want to ask if bobby experiences the same thing in the northeast especially around boston that I experience in Texas is that other white guys think you're a racist. Yeah. There's a, uh, this is, uh, sort of how other white guys just assume that you're a relatively conservative. Yeah. It's like you'll get into a lift and, and, uh, suddenly, uh, you'll, you'll have a, a MAGA bro white guy driver who just assumes that you're going to agree with him. Yeah, or or they'll, or they'll just be casual. Like I, I've had in Boston, I've had specific experiences of Lyft drivers being like, "Yeah, I, I go this way because I don't want to go through that neighborhood," yeah. and things like that. Yeah. And just start speaking as if this is a the shared platform, and it would be unexpected of me to deviate from it. Yeah, yeah I, I thought that was important to share because I, you know, obviously it's it's a, an experience that that we as uh, privileged white males who actually don't hate uh, minorities. Um, this is our hardship. This is our, uh, <laughs> this is our across the bear is these dummies. And then how do you handle it? I mean, well, that's cause... the thing is that's, that's the thing is sometimes you, especially if you're raised in a quote unquote polite ho- household, it's not polite to argue with people, especially yeah. ones that you right. don't really know very well. So you're like, yeah. you want to start something in yeah. during the 15 What's the ride duration? Ride? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Nine minutes, twenty-four minutes. What kind of a platform do I have here to fucking put this, put this guy in his well, place? And you know, here's a. Uh, I don't think you'll ever hear this, so I think this is all right. You know, we we have a sticky relationship like that now at, at home, which is that our handyman, who we love, and he does great work. He, I don't want to talk politics with him because I don't want to know. Yeah. 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 You know, I he he shows up. He did a little work around here for us and for the neighbors a couple of weeks ago and you he all does know he great did. power washing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he he cleans the hell of a deck. You all heard that <laughs> during a recording. <laughs> you know, he shows up without a mask oh, and he says he's got one if he needs it and he he's reaching out to shake my hand when he shows up and uh what's wrong with Come Right. On, and, and I've had enough conversations with him in the past to know that uh, I probably don't want to get into the granular details of the things he thinks and the way he thinks, because I have a pretty good vibe on where it's going to go. And uh, you know, he's, he's just a guy he does good work and I don't want to rock the boat on that. Right. Do I, do I knock that hornet's nest? That, right. That and yeah. can nest? you, can you reasonably expect that a conversation with, you know, a, a dude whose property he services is going to change his 
mind. Right. And, I mean, are you the one to have that conversation with him in the first place? I, I yeah, had a, I had a conversation with uh, someone the other day about some some neighborhood dynamics here that I won't go into, but um, you know, I, I I made the point that I'm gonna I'm gonna approach someone with kindness and then very publicly let it bat back and forth with them if they give me any trouble. And I explained that this is sort of the Facebook philosophy. If if I start very politely having a disagreement with someone, it's not because I think they're going to, I'm going to change their mind, but it's that I want the people reading the comments to see where mm-hmm. I stand and see where this person stands. And maybe they yeah. will be persuaded me, me getting in a, a little bit of a, an academic conversation with this guy is not going to do anything for anyone else either. Um, and yep. you don't want the work to suffer. Let's face it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, and it's if if I if I stopped interacting with everyone I don't agree with politically yeah, or otherwise, yeah. it's going to be a real hard time figuring out how to navigate yeah. some really basic things. I'm, I'm just glad that you had the same you you have you have the same experience in a different part of the country that I have. Being it's a white not kid. something about you, Mike, in particular that makes no. other men think that you're yeah, a nice like, asshole. Ah, uh, look at this motherfucker with the veteran podcast. I have. Yeah, the, I, the camo shorts. cap is probably not helping. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's. I really, I tr- I'm trying to. Like, we're not going to have an academic conversation with you know somebody that I don't know well but it's like if if something is said I think it's it's okay to just be like you can't say that in front of me like that's not okay and and Uh and to be okay to be and this is this is something I say to myself because again like I always want to be polite and I want everybody to like me all the time um but it's okay to say like that's not that's not okay you can't say that in front of me and you can't you shouldn't say that that's wrong Mm -hmm. But no, I mean, it's hard. And, and, and again, put it on me. I last night while we were eating dinner, I asked, you know, Rory is obsessed with the military and police officers, which, you know, he's five. Like, that's what he should be obsessed with. But I I, I need to do more reading on it and how to talk to my kids about it, because they are, I, you know, that's a good hope is that like my nieces and nephews are all very aware of this and they all are growing up in the South, but are, you know, posting on Instagram as, as helpful as that might be, you know, about black lives matter. And it makes me really proud. And I want to represent, I want to raise my kids to be like, not polite about this and, yeah. you know, to be activists yeah. in a certain way, because they are growing up in a super privileged world. Like we're lucky that we live in a good school district. We can afford to send our kids to camp. We can blah, blah, blah. Well, you know, I, they, then they should be along with me and my husband, we should be, you know, the ones that are, you know, we have the power, but we should be yeah. using it. And frankly, we need a generation of police officers <laughs> yes. who are raised with yeah. values like yours. And, yeah. you know, I'm not feeling like super high on the Minneapolis police right now. There's been some pretty shocking behavior, even apart from the murder. Uh, and there has been for for many years. But I also don't want you know, to tar and feather, you know, hashtag not all police. Um, With all, God, I wish I could remember where I heard it. I feel like it was on Radiolab years ago where they were talking about police departments and police corruption. And the person they were interviewing said the way that it seems to to work in any given police department is that 15% of the officers are true protect and serve 
good people who, you know, going to stand up and do the right thing and take care of their communities. And there's 15% of people that are just the assholes who got into this because they want to have power over other people. And the remaining 70% of people will follow whoever is in charge. So if you have the principled protect and serve people in charge, that 70% is going to be principled and protect and serve and the other way around also. And I just think that we need to, oh God, I hate saying change the culture of police, but you know, yeah, you got to get people who feel differently into those rank and file positions because it seems like even the, the leadership in my city has been incredibly responsive and is saying all the right things and has tried to do all the right things since the previous shootings and implemented some reforms. But if the people who are doing the work don't believe it, then you're never going to change anything. So I don't know if that means throwing all all the bastards and starting from scratch, but we need law enforcement. You know, we just need better proportion of non-assholes. I, I think that uh, like some form of conscripted public service for yeah. Yeah. young people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Israel's not wrong to, yeah. you know, you're in charge of it. You they know, do it in you, Switzerland. You, yeah. You yeah. put young people in charge of it and they're like, oh, shit, we got to take this shit seriously. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, Get and organized. It, it's become such a classist uh position sort of like kind of like the military non-officer military or you know police work or it just is I remember Dave sort of wanted to be a police officer he didn't sort of he did and I'm such a snob I was like you went to college why like I just was (laughs) like I don't really understand because to me it was like a you know something like a lower middle class person would do which is awful this is worth noting now that this this conversation we're having right now is replacing (laughs) A conversation we weren't able to have that included the town, the departed, and an extended conversation about the efficacy of super troopers. And I, I, as it happened, I, I, we were watching flipping channels last night, and we had said on the recording that will never be heard now because of my computer that patreon uh, content yeah yeah if you want to hear three people talk and then awkward silences where i was uh, just oh it's like it's like a point of view bobby yeah. just... uh i i said to you super troopers is just one of those movies that sort of comes on tv and and you see it and then sure enough we're flipping channels last night and super troopers is on comedy central and so i took a few pictures of, of the television as I have increasingly done more and more because I'm just an old man and I sent them to our chat. And I think it was Phyllis who just, who Phyllis is sort of an honorary position in the, in the Tishi chat. And she just wrote, not really a great time to see some clown police and then sent the emoji of a clown and the emoji of a police. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But that, that's the image of police that we see, right? We either see corrupt, you know, and even in pop culture, corrupt police or sort of stupid police. Yeah, There's, Barney we Five. We don't or, see or training police day. as a yeah. yeah. Or you see, you know, the NCIS genre, <laughs> genre. You know, the, the Navy right. police seem to be very Super much police. On. Well, I think that's not like um, 
super helpful either who for you know the cbs demo which you know includes bobby because he's 80 (laughs) to to Mm -hmm. see those shows where uh the police are sort of super cop heroes all the time because that bleeds into what you think real life is too you're like oh yeah the police they always catch the bad guys you you forget that these guys are uh uh human you know any population of humans is going to have a sort of a subset of, of racists and a subset of alcoholics and a subset of douchebags and you know it just uh and certainly the uh the authority fix uh and the uniform and all that attracts a certain caliber of people too so maybe they have a higher quotient of that those uh subgenres than most professions sure uh but then you look around and remember that most of humanity is also just terrible and so <laughs> it serves to think that most police also you know there's gonna be a lot of bad ones and and also they are people like the rest of us and we're being sent out in my city last night in with phalanxes to clear the streets and they were scared yeah, you yeah, know yeah. despite the fact that they have the automatic weapons and almost all the power but they're used to being in control and all of a sudden they're not and yeah you know the gun culture in this country leads police officers to fear for their life all the time you know when they're going to do a traffic stop and the guy says hey i i'm licensed to carry i have a weapon and the cop shoots him because he's so scared you know philando castile happened two miles from the house where i grew up Mm -hmm. as a teenager on a street where i walked and cycled and have driven thousands and thousands of times and the police are scared just as much as anybody else but they're scared with guns and that's not good yeah yeah and my doppelganger stands astride <laughs> the michigan state capitol with with his long gun and just yeah i wish they democracy could, i wish they could understand i mean they had two months of being cooped up and the, their response was to go and scream with guns. And now they're like, well, these black people shouldn't, yeah. you know, uh, be violent or protesting. Come on, man. 400 uh, years to I two know. months. How do you think you'd feel? Two months is forever. <laughs> so long. Long. I, have to wear a I want to go back to the bar. <laughs> <laughs> I did see somebody like. This friend oh, of a friend's husband that I'm friends with on Facebook. And it was like, of these Black Lives Matter, it was like from the Massachusetts conservative movement. And it was like, if these oh, Black boy. Lives Matter people can protest, then I should be allowed to go back to a bar. And I was like, at first I thought it was a joke. Like it was like a joke thing. And then I was like, oh no, <laughs> like he, he's actually just posting this because he thinks that those are the same thing. <sighs> What, I mean, and what a tinderbox right now, right? I mean, I think it goes without saying, but I'm going to say it anyway because that's what I do as I talk. <laughs> I mean, all of and this. And now to state the obvious, all of it's th- Bobby. Thank you. A blinding glimpse of the obvious brought to you by AutoZone. Burn down the zone. Yeah. All of this is popping off uh, at a time when, yeah, everybody's been cooped up for months. Unemployment is through the roof. The yep. The poorest among us are suffering the most. Uh, some of us are accidentally shredding our our help oh. from the government. Oh. We'll get back to that. Yeah, we'll circle back <laughs> another to that. show. 
And uh, yeah, of course. I mean, all this pent up energy and it's all just, you know, this is the thing I think. And I'm seeing people say, well, why is all this happening over over this one case? Obviously, it's not that it's, you oh, know, B- right. Buffalo, Buffalo's been all, all right. I mean, Buffalo t- does not have the great. It depends on who you ask what the Buffalo police, you know, uh, track record looks like uh, as far as as fair treatment of our citizens. Uh, but Buffalo had a, a march yesterday, and it was apparently not a particularly uh, organized march. It just sort of picked up steam throughout the day with people protesting down at City Hall. And we found out about it when I was starting to make dinner, and Sam was out on the deck, and she said, hey, get out here. There's noise. It's coming up the street. So I turned off the stove, and I went up and walked up to the front end of the lane, and sure enough, about a 1,000 people with signs. And I saw a couple of torches, thankfully not a lot of fire. Uh, came through and it was peaceful other than blocking a shitload of traffic, pissing people off. But as the night went on, people got more agitated and a couple of, you know, a car burned and a couple of people were beaten and some, uh, apparently a room in city hall was torched. I don't know how they got inside. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and all the pictures were protesters yelling at us marshals. Cause there's a federal courthouse downtown and they, it's all glass front. So these marshals were lined up in front of it to try to protect it. And, uh, you know, that that was just one small city, you know, coming out of nowhere. And it's mm-hmm. just everybody's been so tense for months now. Yep. A, a, any anything to set it off. And Yeah. I and want Frankly, I got to say the weather, at least here, has something to do with it. It's turning real nice, guys. We're getting into summer. Yeah. I guarantee you if this was January. We would not be having these no. protests and riots in Minnesota. Yeah. Well, Nobody's a lot more fires dumb. than riots. Well, maybe. Yeah. But that's <laughs> oh, just because we need okay. to warm we up. We got a good fire going here. Let's Kill two we can birds branch out later. Just, somebody's <laughs> looting the L.L. Bean store. <laughs> uh, I, I wanted to make one other point that I, I wanted to get to earlier and we got off in another direction. I, I don't want to imply a direct correlation. Cause I talked about some of the people I've interacted with and, and how they have a political bent that I don't agree with. And I, I don't want to specifically correlate uh, racism and conservative or Republican politics. I think there's a Venn diagram there that overlaps a lot, sadly. Mm-hmm. And I also think sadly that it's not just those people who have these tendencies. I know Plenty of people who would consider themselves liberal or relatively liberal or Democrats or whatever, closer to my political ideology, who also just have an inherent or ingrained sense of uh, sort of uh, casual or subconscious racism. I don't I don't want anyone to listen to this and think, oh, well, you know, he, he said those things and he's going after the MAGA people and the conservatives and he's calling them all bad. No, I I think that there are I think that politically there are people who think what they believe is what's best for the country. And I may or may not agree with them on that. And then I think that there are people who are um, disingenuous about their beliefs on race. And even if they don't realize their race, I think very few people are overtly racist or overtly believe that there should be a Supreme race. I think there are sadly a few who are, uh, but the worst part is this cuts both ways. It's, it's a complete uh, different schematic than, than just politics. Um, I, I just wanted to say, you know, that's uh, those things don't always go hand in hand. Sadly, there is a strong overlap. Well, I mean, that's kind of what I was saying. We're like, um, you know, yeah, largely you're not going to see uh, 
white supremacists like in how you would see them in the movies but we all kind of have it in our hearts and it's it's worth interrogating like how you feel about race and how you respond to race uh as a privileged white person yeah we didn't do this uh yesterday on take one of the show but one of the big things that happened this week as you guys know is that i i took my mother car shopping uh, and by car shopping, I mean she had a small amount of cash saved up and her last piece of shit beater car died. And so we went <laughs> to find a new piece of shit beater car on a very limited budget. And so this this precluded, you know, dealerships. This was go look at some cars from Craigslist. And the first car we went to uh, was in a bad neighborhood, you know, just a just a visually bad neighborhood in Rochester. You know, it's a it's a rundown and houses are beat up and there's some vacant lots and people walking around. And But the ad said, uh, runs. Uh, yeah. The ad said current inspection sticker. So we went. Okay. Well, no, yeah, that's, that's even better. And, yeah. uh, and, uh, you know, I, I pulled into that neighborhood and for better or for worse, uh, I, it was, it was definitely a, a black heavy neighborhood and, uh, I didn't feel good about it, but I looked at my mother and I said, give me your purse. Cause we're going to put your purse in my backpack in the trunk. And then we looked at that car. Uh, wasn't the right choice for a few different reasons. We found another listing out in the sticks uh, by by a lake in a relative. Jer- Jeremy met you there with yeah. the, the. Oh, Jeremy would have taken the first the, car. We the looked keys at. have it's... broken off in the ignition, but it's running. So if you just gas it up, <laughs> it was a it was an eight hundred dollar Geo Prism. He would have been all over it. Um, <laughs> we we went out. To you would have been bidding against each other. Yeah. <laughs> We went out to Canadagua, beautiful, uh, very suburban, pulled into a driveway, nice lawn. Uh, guy comes out, older Italian guy, selling the car for a friend. Uh, and I and my mom looked at me and I said, that's ah, fine. Just You can just leave it in the car. And I thought about it a few minutes later and I said, you know, if this lawn hadn't been so manicured and it was a, it was a white guy walking out and just, you know, all these things... Uh, made me feel less or more safe, even though this guy is quote unquote selling a car for a friend and it could have easily been a hot car in just as bad of a situation as the last one. And it's just part of it is uh, I probably trusted him inherently more because I felt more comfortable there. But part well, of it Italians, is also... It's more of a long, long con. Right. And then, you know, <laughs> it, it, with the blacks, it's more of a smash and grab situation. God. So. God. Well, but this is this is hundreds of years of systemic racism has created yes. to the point yeah. where yes, exactly. Where, yes, That's this black joke. neighborhood is a worse and more dangerous neighborhood because we have not done more to yeah. to uh, give equal opportunity to everyone, and so yeah. we've created a system where my point was both logically right and also made me cringe. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. There it is. You laid it out. Nice. It's so. It's. I mean. <laughs> After um, I feel like I've told this story before, but after Charlottesville happened, which th- feels like one thousand years ago at this point, well, with all the shit that's happened <laughs> in this country, good but, people on both sides. Yeah, that good. Was yeah. The, uh, yep. yeah, yeah, that was our leadership. Um, my boss at the time, who is a very Christian, very nice person to me, he has always been very nice to me. He called me and t- he emailed me and said, "Hey, can you come into my office?" And I thought we were meeting about work stuff but I didn't work directly like he was like the big boss and he knew I was like the token democrat because let me tell you even though I live in Austin commercial real estate is like the it is like the microcosm of uh, oh yeah privileged those guys white dudes those guys hot, like money like the... and they don't like giving it away yep yep, yep. and it's it's, it's, it's like not, the Vatican it, and it's not something it's not like um 
it's not like being a lawyer or being a doctor where you're something you have to go to school for, which is also, you know, ha- is mired yeah. in other stuff. It is like, oh, my dad owned some land, so he taught me about commercial real estate, or my dad was in commercial real estate, so like, it just I'm was... a McCoy. Yeah, yes, ding, ding. So um, I, he, I walked into his office, and we're talking, and he said, I want you to walk me through white privilege. And I was like, I'm Ooh. sorry, what? Like, I didn't... I mean, I'm glad he asked me. There were, you know, I'm glad, I'm glad he didn't like ask a black person to teach him about white privilege, but because well, there were no black people that worked in our office, so I was <laughs> Frederick like, Douglass <laughs> wasn't working in the mailroom. So I'm sitting down and I'm like, I'm not ready to have this conversation. I mean, we had it sort of, but then you know he brings up like, what about Asian people? Like they seem to do well, and what about? You know, immigrants that come from Kenya or whatever, you know, Africa, and they seem to like Somalia and they seem to like thrive uh, and, you know, are really hardworking. Like, I don't understand. And I just it was. Yeah, it was it was a tough conversation. I'm sweating. uh, (laughs) It was it was just really weird. Anyway, that's sort of the. I would have had to take a shower. (laughs) I mean, oh, and I I just and, and I. I, I'm not like the hero of the story because I I don't think that I, um, I don't think I presented anything that changed his mind or, at all. But um, it just that's, did he that's, give you time? Did, could you oh, come yeah, back with a I probably a yeah? And I and anytime. Uh, well, I emailed him some like <laughs> like here's some other information that I have for you. But I I just it's like that's sort mm. of the thing. Like he he is not. I would never say he's like a super racist person yeah like he's a guy from the south and he's a rich guy from the south but he's i you would never be like oh he would never use the n-word or any of that but like that is kind of a lot of people's like well he asked the question so you have to give him credit 100 percent. and he came to me because he knew that i for some reason maybe had some information i don't know but (laughs) it was um it just is like a that's what a lot of people are going out especially people who are maybe a little bit older and think, well, like we said at the beginning, well, Obama was president. Like we did it. And, well, uh, you know, I see black people going, living in different neighborhoods and, and it's okay, but it's, it's not like there's so much like housing is the number one thing. Like we, our, our neighborhoods are not integrated at all. Like I, there's like one black person that lives in my neighborhood. Probably. Um, our schools aren't really integrated. Um, yeah, they have been largely shut out of the capitalist discussion that we have in this country. Mm-hmm. I think one of the things that I noticed many years ago was the diversity of the workforce at Dairy Queen, yeah. McDonald's. Yeah. When you are in the Twin Cities, the people who work at the fast food restaurants are black, possibly Hispanic, a lot of Hispanic now. And when you get an hour outside of the city... They're all white teenagers. Yeah. Yeah. And if that doesn't show how segregated we still are in this country, I don't know what does. Yeah. yeah. Like small town, blonde, shiny, <laughs> scrubbed looking kids who are working at the DQ for the summer. And their experience is completely different from the people who work in those places in, in urban areas. Possibly some summertime busing. <laughs> yeah, where's the Dairy Queen busing program? <laughs> yes. 
Yeah, uh, and, and we were supposed to talk about, you know, our Boston road trip. We could really dig into a busing discussion there that <laughs> we'll never have. Um, it's got to be a documentary that uh, Dave's going to recommend. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, have we solved racism? Oh, we did it. Yep. We did Boom. it. Here we go. Good. Under an yeah. hour. Um, I, feel, I feel like we really I, accomplished something here, I would people. drop my mic. Uh, <laughs> please don't. Uh, yeah, please don't. <laughs> At least, well, it's not connected to anything today. So. Yeah, I mean, I could, I could drop it with no consequence right now because I'm not using it. Yeah. So next week, World Hunger? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, man. I'll put no, together like, a show you know, sheet. You know, we might need to push that one back a little bit. Let's solve the pandemic first. Step one right. is actually just to get Mike's mother-in-law to start cooking for everyone. Mm. <laughs> when can we get her back here? What is going on with this thing? Come on. Can we get some testing going here? No. Uh. Well, believe it or not. Yeah, no. We have more. That's, that's the, that is the saddest uh, thing that's been said on the podcast, Hillary, because I, I asked for testing. You said no. And that's it. That's <laughs> sadly the saddest thing. Yeah. Sadly, uh, no testing. Now that we've solved racism, <laughs> we did think that this would be an opportunity to talk about our own personal sadnesses for a couple of us. You know, we're a pretty open group and. Yeah. And we share what's going on in our lives, and we feel that we have built a connection, not just with each other, but with, with our, our listeners. And, I mean, one of the things that we really care about in starting this program was friendship and connection between people. And, you know, Mike and I have had a couple of things go on in our lives that I think we just either weren't ready to talk about or we weren't quite sure how to talk about on the show. So... We thought as long as we were going to get all sad and real, why not mm. take the opportunity to do this? So do you want to start, Mike, or should I? I I did not get an opportunity to get extra tissues before the show, as okay. you did. So I think I might have to back clean up on this all right. so that, uh, you know, I'll, I'll be of some, you know, of, of use during <laughs> at least your confession rather than just go, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You know what I mean? Oh, great. Uh, everybody, gird your loins. So my dad passed away. There. Boom. <laughs> there it is. Got it. <laughs> Mic um, drop. Bye. <laughs> did you point to center field? I mean, <laughs> um, it was just about a month now. It, it was uh, It was May, May 4th. And uh, my dad's been sick for a long time. He had advanced Parkinson's disease. Um, and so he, he was diagnosed probably about seven or eight years ago and we've watched that progress. Obviously it's a disease, disease without a cure and medication is really only for, uh, handling the symptoms. And he was a stubborn old fuck and he hated (laughs) taking that medication to the point where he sort of dicked around and tinkered with it. Cause you know, he knew better than the doctors Mm -hmm. and eventually got to the point where he stopped taking it altogether because he read that um, some of the Parkinson's medication, there are there's some preliminary information that it may lead to dementia, and that absolutely frightened the shit out of him. So he stopped taking it and uh, probably went into heart failure uh, because one of the medications that he was taking, I think, to um, that's supposed to reduce swelling in the legs, which he had, was also keeping his heart under control, unbeknownst to everybody. And he's had heart trouble. He had a, a murmur many 
you know, since he was born. And then he had a heart valve, a mitral replacement uh, 20 years ago. So he had known heart issues, but uh, they really acted up last summer. And, you know, it was all a big emergency. And he was in the cardio ICU for a week. And then he got a pacemaker. And, you know, it became clear at the beginning of this year that it was not an if, it was a when situation. And the doctors were saying, you know, three months to three years you know so it was a couple of months ago when he had what they think was a seizure and a stroke simultaneously and my mom found him just sort of unresponsive at the breakfast table and from then on it was just a couple of of weeks we went to the emergency room and they had admitted him but then they said you know I think it's it's time there's never going to be much improvement or Certainly his quality of life was terrible. So my mom took him home for hospice, which was really good because if he had been in the hospital, I wouldn't have been able to really visit him much. And yeah. so I broke quarantine and went and spent How a little dare bit of time you? there. I know. I know. Guess what? I didn't wear a mask oh either. <laughs> so I got to spend, you know, they thought he was going to only last a couple of of days maybe and so like Matt came from San Francisco on a day's notice to be there and then he hung on for almost three weeks and then I guess my mom called me on a Sunday afternoon and said you know I think it's you know it's not looking good it's taken a a turn and I think that um, I'd like to talk to you about you writing his obituary so I went over and sat with her and she went through some pictures and we got some information and then she called me the next morning to say that he had died in the night so that was that and my mom is a veteran so um, she's eligible to be buried at Fort Snelling National Cemetery as was my dad so we buried him there um, just two days after he died you know that if you do it within three days you don't have to embalm so that was really kind of cool. And they're not doing services at all at yeah. the at Fort Snelling uh, Cemetery because obviously no crowds of larger than 10 people. But they did let us go to watch the burial. So, we, you know, the guys with the diggers and the tampers and everything actually did the interment of the casket and put all the dirt and the slab and stuff on top and then like the final grounds guy just like raked and 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 we were like you know dad would really have appreciated this <laughs> attention to detail <laughs> and uh, their pastor came and said a few prayers and my mom asked me to sing a hymn and I almost made it to the fourth verse before I started crying oh my goodness I'm impressed <laughs> yeah. yeah it was hard but oh there was I made everybody else cry, so job well done. I wasn't yes. crying by myself. Nope. And then, you know, we went home and had some Panera and did a Zoom call with my brothers. And then everybody left and I, I like hung around with my mom for an hour and watched TV. And as I was going, she said to me, this was a good, bad day. Hmm. Well, and that was it. That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. I mean, good as it's going to get. As could be expected, yeah. you know, it's. It's not like it was a surprise or a shock. It's just that it happened at the worst possible time, as Mike will be able to talk about as well, and just made everything logistically harder. I'm really sad for my brother, Carl, who just, you know, he's got a two-year-old and a 
two-month-old infant and a wife who gave birth, and there was just no way that he could come to visit. Mm. Or They mm. watched the burial on Zoom, which was, you know, oh it was what it was. But you know, all totally... in all, it, it, you know, it could have been a lot worse. So... I'm really I continue sorry. to see my therapist. And, yeah. <laughs> I haven't I didn't have I didn't have the easiest relationship with him either, you know. There were issues there, but you know. We'll work through it. It's complicated. I have a question though. I, I this is like the dark not the dark part of me. I'm just always so curious because I've never really had um anybody super close to me die, which like knock on wood, um scares me all the time because Besides my grandmother, but she was 90 years old. So it right. was, a, you know, like, oh, oh wow. Um, I always wonder about the caretakers in these situations. Mm-hmm. Do you think your mom is, I mean, obviously she's super sad, duh, but do you think like there is a sort of weight lifted from her shoulders a little bit? Is well, it too soon to say that? Um. So my mom's a nurse. Yeah. Right. So in a lot of ways, she's very qualified to be his caregiver, you know, and she knows how to handle all the medical stuff and all the care stuff. So I think that was helpful. And also I, I'm just amazed. She is such a, like a practical, unsentimental person mm-hmm. for the most part. Um, just really kind of, well, you know, this is what's got to happen. So we're going to take care of it. Yeah. You know, she's not a person who will allow her, emotions to overwhelm her to the point where I, you know, I really don't know exactly how she's feeling that much. She did say to me when we were driving to the burial that she felt guilty. She said, I just don't know, you know, if I had done something else, did I take care of him, you know, in the right ways and as best as possible. And I said, look, oh, see, now I almost got through this without crying. Uh, You know, (laughs) it's like, all I know is what, I saw, and we should all be so lucky to have someone to take care of us the way she took care of him. Yeah. 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 Without falling apart and being yep. the, the rock that he needed. And probably she was probably like, you know, making him do stuff that he probably didn't want to do, but it was for his best interest, which is good. And you, she was so frustrated a lot of the time, yeah. you know, yeah. as, as you say, it's complicated. Yeah. They were together for 40 years and, he was a stubborn old scrawny rooster. I mean, <laughs> if he had just taken a little bit more advice from people who knew what they were talking about, he could have made his own life a lot easier and her life a lot easier, you know, but he insisted on doing things his way and thinking that he knew better, which made it all harder in the long run. So I'm sure there's some component of, you know, relief that she just doesn't have to help him against his will yeah, yeah. <laughs> anymore yeah. but mm-hmm. you know who knows it's it's a a new world i mean she was ready to get rid of his stuff immediately and she is a purger by nature and he was kind of a hoarder <laughs> by nature i think that came from growing up a poor wisconsin farm boy yeah maybe yeah but that was a tension between them all all the time. Like she will just go into these periods where she needs to purge stuff. And she wanted to get rid of his crap so bad for so many years. So like I called her 
God, the day after he died, the morning after he died, and to see how she was doing. And she was like, guess what I've been doing this morning? And I said, what? And she said, I've been cutting up all the boxes of dad's five and a quarter inch floppy disks oh, God. from the 80s. <laughs> mm. Oh, brings her a little bit of joy in this time of sorrow. Mm. What if someone uh-huh. needed those? <laughs> in in their old house, there was like a flash storm that just dumped a ton of water to the point where like it, it overflowed the window wells and started leaking into their basement. So my mom called me at like 10 o'clock at night. She's like, you have to get over here. Our basement's flooding. We have to get all the boxes out. That's all my dad's crap. And so I'm carrying at 1030 at night, like I'm carrying bankers boxes out of the laundry room and I'm looking at the, the writing on the side and I was like, dad, tax returns from the nineties. <laughs> really? And my mom goes, mm. Anne, there's tax returns from the 70s oh, in there. <laughs> wow. Oh, man. So oh. Irish I think... Museum. That's a treasure. <laughs> That's the way Hang she's... On to that. she's coping is dealing with all that stuff. I think it brings her personal enjoyment, but it's also a way of, of, of dealing with his death. Yeah. So yeah. I think she's doing as well as can be expected. Well, we love you. And I'm really sorry. Mm, thank you. Oh. It's been very comforting to be able to talk to you guys about it even though i wasn't ready to talk about it to the wider world if if it's any consolation in it's all right to brag about absolutely killing at a funeral (laughs) (laughs) not a dry eye in the house hell no I mean, I won marriage counseling. Uh, you killed at a funeral. I mean, these are badges. I mean, Honestly, LinkedIn. The only thing that made me nervous was that I knew that Matt was listening over Zoom. And I was like, oh, no, Matt's going to hear me go off key. Uh, <laughs> Silently judging you. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Judging my rendition of the hymn at our father's funeral. He's like, mm-hmm. uh, wow. a little pitchy <laughs> there. And... <laughs> well, what is family for if not for silently judging one another? Exactly. Oh, that's what it's all about. Until you have your own podcast, then you can right. just let it fly. Uh, you know, I, I think it's fair to say that everyone, almost everyone has, um, some level of strained or frustrating relationships in their families. I think the nice thing about our grouping, our co-hosts, our friends here, is that we are particularly aware of one another's strained relationships in our families. And so it is easier for us to open up to one another. And I, I, you know, there have been times not to make it all about me, but I will. Oh, go ahead. (laughs) there, There have been times throughout, LRB and now this and especially the rocky moments of sort of figuring out how this show was going to be what we wanted it to be and and merging our our varied visions for success mm-hmm. um the the one thing that at points has kept me from saying fuck it let's just you know this is more work than it's worth is remembering that um if if we make a show where the six or seven or eight of us or whatever depending on who you bring into the fold um come together every week to have this connection as friends uh and as a family at this show uh if if that's if doing this is what keeps that together that's what's most important to me and and what you've gone through recently and what what mike has gone through recently and some of the crap that i've been dealing with which we're not even going to get into today because it's still a little um uh tough uh to divulge right now um 
I'm just so glad that we have each other. And, and I, I think that that, that translates to our listeners too. And all, all 12 of you or whatever. And, um, I, I'm just so glad that we have this. So as long as we're wallowing in our own sadness and, and sharing, um, and I'm glad that we could be here for you when you need us. And I'm glad that we can be here for Mike. And I am glad that you're all here for me because I, I don't have a lot of other people like this in my life. Um, I'm not particularly close with any of the people I've been close with in earlier eras of my life. And, you know, of course, Sam is wonderful, but it's different. And, um, right. Uh, I can't build your entire life around Sam. Right. That's a little stifling for her. Yeah, a little creepy. She wakes up and I'm watching. It's weird. <laughs> yeah. The crooked elbow, you know, and you're just like, Oh, hello. So I guess I, I yeah. I'm just so honored and glad that we could have, you know, through these last several weeks been there for you. And, and I, mm-hmm. and I know that that's reciprocal and I'm so grateful. So, yep. And you, you sent me a beautiful card that, I have not acknowledged. Oh, I should say the probably the end of the week that my dad died. I think it was a Sunday morning. Actually, I got a a text from Christy. She and she said, hey, I just uh, got a notification that something was delivered to your house. You should make sure that you go look outside the front door. And I was like, what? I didn't hear anything. No vehicles, no nothing. And I opened the front door and there was a massive Costco delivery of baking supplies from Christy, <laughs> including a half gallon of half and half. I had to make ice cream, guys, to use that half and half. But f- like four That's dozen a lot of eggs, halves. I can't do that half math. A 25 pound bag of flour <laughs> and all kinds of other things. And I thought, which was scarce know, at the time. We were wearing our onion yep, belts. And two. <laughs> 35 count cases of Diet Coke. Hell yeah. <laughs> I was like, is, you know, that's the person who knows what I which need. Is, which is a, uh, scarce in your mind at all times right. when, uh, <laughs> when okay. things get rough. You know that um, there's that scene in The Martian uh, where Matt Damon, boy, we're, we're just all over the Matt Damon talk. Yeah. I know, you should have heard it yesterday. But... We were really into Matt Damon. <laughs> a lot Damon, of Damon, Damon, Damon. No, Damon. but after, you know, he's coming to terms with his situation stranded on Mars and he goes and he does the accounting where he like counts all the vacuum sealed meals that he has and he's just like making hash marks and labeling, okay, how many sweet and sours does he have? And then later on, he's like counting potatoes obsessively. I count those Diet Cokes obsessively i am constantly calculating how much can i drink how much do i have left when am i gonna have to go out to get some more yeah and you should i mean if you were at uh na meeting i mean this this is (laughs) yes this is the pill the 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 pill rattle that was my thing you know Mm -hmm. good to know it's healthy behavior yeah (laughs) Oh, that this rattle is low. This rattle's fine. You know, we're we're good over here. You know, how are you in the back row? Ah, oh, pretty low rattle. Let's uh, get on top of that. Well, you can't avoid it any longer, Frizzell. Yeah, get into it. It's your turn. Well, do it like I did it. Pull that bandaid right off. The only member of my family that I'm really close with is was my brother
he's He was five years older than me and made my life miserable. And I made him miserable too. It was your job. It was his job. Yeah. Just um My favorite story that shows both sides of the relationship was I used to like to sneak up behind my brother because uh, there was a couch in the living room that uh, had space behind it. When he was watching TV, I'd sneak up on him. He'd be sitting there watching TV with his idiot friends. And I'd throw a quick set on the back of his head and the side of his head. Um, and then take off back around to the back of the house and then I could hear him pounding down the hall and I'd lock myself in the bathroom every time and I would just like sit there until you know things cooled off you know you keep your ear to the door and you're like "Mm." so you know, I they eventually leave the house, and I'd get out of there, and you know, repeat next day, same thing. <laughs> Punk. Yeah, I got away with it for a few days, and I think they hatched a plan. They were five years older, obviously. You know, I was like ten. My brother and his friends were fifteen, and uh, so I was like, all right. I'm going to do it now again. So uh, they're watching some stupid show, and I walk down, throw the set on the back of his head, and he's sitting next to his friend uh, uh, Pudge. I can't remember Pudge's last name, but he was Pudgy, so, you know. His name (laughs) was Pudge. (laughs) Super creative. Yeah, yeah. Funny thing is I can remember where he lived, you know. (laughs) I remember their, their driveway, their car, everything about it, but Pudge, that's, you know. Pudge came from there. It wasn't Pudge Rodriguez. Was That's it? what I was going to say. <laughs> no, no, but but we'll we can get to that. We will get to that. Pudge Rodriguez. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I throw the set. I, I I run back to the back bathroom and lock myself in, and um, as would sometimes happen when. Mark was really committed. Mark with a C, by the way. Uh, he he would get a uh, a coat hanger out of the closet, a wire coat hanger, and and uncurl it, and you know start to pick the lock on the bathroom because mm-hmm. you could do that. Emily can still do it. She's amazing. I I, I can't bring bring back those skills, but my brother would be pretty quick with it. So. Whenever he would start fucking with the lock, I would slide the bathroom window open and jump out. And on this day, uh, I threw the set. I ran down. I sat laughing on the toilet. Ha, 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 ha. Got him again. That motherfucker who steals everything. His room smells terrible. He steals all the Pop-Tarts. Um... 
I hated him. Of course. Uh, so I hear him go to the closet. He's getting the thing and he starts fiddling with the lock. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to jump out the window. And there's Pudge, you know, as if he had a giant catcher's mitt. Uh, catching me uh, coming out the window. Uh, so I'm now... I've been taken into custody. <laughs> and my brother, uh, calmly, I just picture him calmly putting the, the hanger back together. Like, you know, he's going to wipe all the prints off of... He puts it back in my parents' closet, and then he comes walking outside, and I took a beating of a lifetime from my brother that day. So... We, we, because when I talk about how much my brother used to beat up, beat me up, I had it coming. So I, I'm not complaining <laughs> at all. Anyway, we, we've been close throughout my life and he really helped me when I got out of prison. He gave me his, uh, old Camaro. It, oh yeah. Uh, you were Camaro Mike for a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, he gave me his very old Camaro. The T-top was leaking and it was very mildewy in there. So super nasty. Um, it was very hard to start. Uh, but once you got it started, unfortunately you had to stop it at every light because it would overheat. God. Uh, so, so then you'd have to like try to breathe back life at every intersection. So you had to like really plan out your trips when you own this car. And what a generous brother to give you such a nice car. Is this car still available? Because we bought an 04 Outback Impreza yesterday, but I could probably be persuaded to swap it. Um, I'm not sure if it's still for sale, but I think I can still smell the interior. I really do <laughs> feel like I could still smell the interior. Mildew is not something you... Oh, anyway, but generous, got me on my feet, helped me out. Anyway, um, I had a... I, back in the day, I lived with uh, him and his bride-to-be, and eventually they had uh, two kids, my nieces, and um, a couple of years ago, my brother started to fall apart, uh, and he went to Shikshadal, and he, you know, graduated. Anyone who knows anything about Shikshadal knows it. it's hard to do. He got through it because it was important and he was trying to put his family back together and it didn't work. He gave up really fast. And I got a, a, a call that it, that it, it was uh, getting, getting, getting real bad right about the time when everything uh, was getting uh, locked down. In Seattle, my 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 brother uh, was in Enumclaw at the time. I'm, that was the place he'd been transferred to, and 
was ashamed and he he wouldn't talk to me and I there was a chance I could have driven there and, and seen him uh, but it would it's a 32 hour drive with with no sleep which I could do but he died about 18 hours after I got notice so I'd done that calculation and, and I also knew and, and from talking to the nurses and from talking to Anne and the girls you just can't get in until and he wasn't you know he wasn't there yeah so uh, they couldn't even take phone in at that time. I think they figured that out now. But uh, that all those places were going to run out of PPE, but they let Anne and the girls go in and see him and all that stuff. Very much appreciated. Yeah. And he had a lot of, a lot of demons, it seems like. And he had a lot of great years. Everyone loved him. So that's why I went last. (laughs) How's his wife doing? How are his kids doing uh one one kid very well one kid okay and wife not so good they were they were done already which i don't know if that makes it worse because it's just like cleaning up you know just they had not gotten a divorce yet so yeah, sure. It's a fucking mess. <sighs> I'm sorry. That is a tough one. Yeah. yeah. Mike, you showed a lot of love to him. Uh, especially toward the end there when he made it very hard to love him. Mm-hmm. And uh, you and I talked about that a lot as it was happening. Yeah, and uh, uh, he earned it in your eyes, and it was big of you to give it to him because it would have been really easy not to. And and I know that you, you always felt a debt to him for being so good to you when you needed him. And I and I will reiterate here what I told you weeks and months ago, which is that that even if you don't feel like it worked, it was it was big of you to to be there for him the way you were. And uh, you you gave it a lot of your time and attention and emotion, and uh, uh, you're a good man for it. Thank you. Well, that was even better than the racism talk. <laughs> Did we solve sadness? <laughs> <laughs>
Oh, I, I believe this is going to be a new occasional series. <laughs> Did we solve sadness? <laughs> Does anyone remember that? <laughs> I was watching oh, I was watching the Sex in the City movie because that's apropos of all of this conversation. And it's so fucking dramatic because after she gets jilted at the altar, she says, will I ever laugh again? And Dave was like, what is she talking about? <laughs> <laughs> but sometimes it does feel like it. But like that's, you know, that's the good part of this stuff is that even though it's fucking sad and the world is burning and all that we can still make each other laugh somehow (laughs) well i have no idea how to transition out of this but maybe we should make us just a stab at the format because i do have a tishi recommend do it i think hillary you have one too something that can maybe lift people's spirits make people feel a little bit better um my recommendation is that uh, Netflix just dropped the third season of Somebody Feed Phil, <laughs> which I think I may have talked about before, but it's a food and travel show uh, starring Phil Rosenthal, who's the creator of Everybody Loves Raymond, who is the dorkiest, most dad-like, skinniest, dopey happy like new york jew of a guy that you could ever meet and he is delightful he is so happy to be in these places around the world trying food he's not snobby so he will go to like a a two-star michelin restaurant and meet the chef and do the thing but then he'll also like get street food and he has this look on his face when he eats something that that he really likes he just like his eyes go huge and he has this big smile that and his face just lights up in a way that is so endearing and he is just absolutely a like friendly dad joking dorky black socks and black tennis (laughs) shoes wearing guy going around the world meeting people and trying trying them food and and i love it i'm totally it, gonna watch it i really like him a lot. it's re- yeah. yeah it's really you know you see him and you like he's like rick steves yes. in that he's so square he's kind of cool yeah. yeah like he's just so himself in his dorkiness that you're like i like that dude <laughs> yeah <laughs> mike yeah. i like that you just put in slack a a time code for when you blew your nose as if we didn't hear it <laughs> <laughs> Try to be helpful. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm totally going to watch that. Oh, and he did an episode in Lisbon. Of course, I went to Lisbon. I was in there for a week when I went oh, to Portugal. God, here we go. <laughs> you know, when I was traveling. Um, but he goes to this gelato shop, which is a place that I went to before I ever saw this. I oh. felt so smug. I was like, you make that oh, face? yeah, you did. Hmm? Did you make that face? Oh. Um, I kind of did because I, the strawberry, what did I get? Well, half strawberry and half stracciatella. Mm. Oh my God. It was um. so good. It was so good. So I was watching him at that store and I was like, I was there. I went there. I, I was talking feeling. about 
that joy when you walk into a restaurant and you see Guy Fieri's visage spray painted <laughs> onto the wall and you realize that you've hit gold. Uh, I love gelato. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. Um, I'm totally going to watch a... Yes. Okay. So I'm trying to think. Um, I have two. Um, I'm going to add one, a quick one. Um, okay. So because I haven't been on the podcast in a couple of weeks, all I feel like I've been doing is watching TV and listening to podcasts. Like I've just been ma- like, I haven't been reading books. No Hillary Horny oh, Corner here. Heaven forbid. <laughs> no. Books. <laughs> oh, Emily was asking her for that. Uh, she she said Emily sent me a good list actually so uh, okay. I'll it, we'll have a little book club a little HHC book club but um, right. okay so a couple of things that I've really enjoyed one is the great which is on Hulu by the way Hulu is absolutely killing it lately Normal People mm-hmm. was great the great I um, okay if you saw the favorite whatever two years ago it's very much in that um, kind of tone. And actually, I think the guy that wrote and is the showrunner of The Great wrote The Favorite. So it is very, like, loosely based on history, but also, like, not at all. And it's, you know, sort of modernized a little bit. But um, it's about loosely about Catherine the Great when she first comes to Russia and she gets married to Peter. It is, I will say, grotesque. Do not watch it with children. Um, (laughs) But I, for whatever reason, just really found it, like, very funny and charming. I've never been into Elle Fanning. I didn't really get her. She's so blonde that it, like, confuses me a little bit. Um, But she's really funny in it. But I love Nicholas Holt. I think he is a very, very, very cute. For somebody who was such an odd-looking child, um, he has blossomed into a very handsome older man. Not older. He's like 30. Um, And he's hilarious in this. So I really enjoyed it. I kind of mainlined it. Um, That is number one. Number two is I listened to this podcast, which I think is only on Spotify, but it's called Wind of Change. And at first I thought it was like all these people were posting about it. And I thought it was like, I don't know, something about civil rights or whatever. And I'm like, I don't know if I'm ready to listen to this right now. I kind of want funny stuff. But it's actually about how this guy, the host, had heard this conspiracy theory that the CIA helped write the song Wind of Change by the Scorpion. (laughs) scorpions and so it's like him investigating whether they had anything to do with it now it's 10 episodes i think it could have been five episodes because you know god we can compare i mean uh, who were we talking we thought this was gonna be a 35 minute podcast and it's really going on two hours at this point but there should be a whole episode about whether it's scorpions or the scorpions oh i'm so sorry (laughs) like eagles or eagles but um, I really, I, it was a fun one. I listened to it. I, I pretty much mainlined that one as well. Um, he goes in a lot of different directions, um, but I really like that. And then finally, quickly, last night, I just like felt like I really wanted to cry. But like I have, I'm emotionally stunted sometimes and just crying about actual current events is really hard for me to do um, because it's not actually affecting me. I got four more brother stories. <laughs> but um, I, Boom. Boom. I was looking for something to watch that was free on one of the the thousands of streaming services that I have. And this movie about time was on there, which I had seen once when I was pregnant and it's by the guy that wrote like, or that directed love actually, which is a movie I used to like that I don't really like as much anymore. Now this movie is about time travel, sort of it. The timelines are really funky and the like, you can't really get mired in like, 
how this would all work. But by the end of it, I'm like fucking bawling. I'm like, I, I cannot catch my breath. I'm crying so hard. And it happened again last night. It felt really good. So I believe it's streaming on Netflix, I think. And it's Bill Nye, who's I love. I think he's very charming. And I don't know how to pronounce his name. Don, Donald, Don, I don't know, Gleason, yeah. who even for a redhead I find very attractive for some reason and also uh, even for a redhead <laughs> I have a thing for redheads well, so I'm into it I do too um and also um Rachel um what's her face Rachel McAdams who seems le- seemingly like likes to star in movies about time travel she's been in quite a few but um it's just a really charming little English movie and I like it and I cried really hard so if you feel like you need to cry and you have to force yourself what to was that uh Christopher Reeve one from way back in the day where he, he had like a time machine or something? Oh, no. Uh, oh. Superman? I only know the one where Superman, is that Superman 2? When he uh, flies the earth backwards that's in reverse a, that's, time? That's our buffalo. That's the, I you know, don't did spoil not it. Our... question the logic of that when I was eight years old. I was like, yeah, of course, you spin the earth backwards and turns back time. Yeah, Some, somewhere in time, I think is the movie you're thinking of. Yes, with with Christopher Reeve and Jane Seymour. Oh, ooh, hot! Yeah, that's an early '80s <laughs> cast. If you ever boom, <laughs> sounds uh, hot. Yeah, those, those are those are my and Never Have I Ever is another one that's good. See, I've been watching too much TV. I really enjoyed Never Have I Ever. That was cool. uh, I I will. Uh, I'll co-sign your wind of change. You can get it in your regular podcatcher, but they're releasing it week by week. If you want the whole thing at once, you got to go to Spotify. I have been doing the week by week thing just because I haven't had enough time to mainline anything, but uh, it is so far so good. I'm a few episodes in. Yeah. Um, I'm resisting. You know, I think the problem is that it's a production, you know, of of crooked media, part production of crooked media. And I listen to a lot of their political podcasts and otherwise and no. so all their hosts have been promoting it yeah. on every single show that yeah. i listen to and having patrick radden keefe on to do interviews on at least two of the shows and then they're like retweeting in their twitter all yeah. the people who are saying mm-hmm. and i'm like you can't make me <laughs> listen to this i yes. know i know it's so true too because the, because it's a spotify podcast as well um the ringer which is now uh owned by spotify to some degree uh, they are also promoting it and i listen to a lot of ringer podcasts as well so it was like i if, if i had waited i probably would have been like i'm not doing that i you can't you can't yeah. maybe. though i have uh, like uh, that song is so like evocative of my childhood like i just remember sitting and watching mtv and that song being on constantly so it piqued my interest and of course it's only me who's getting hurt by my <laughs> refusal to listen to this by all accounts really good podcast but i'm like no stop, stop, stop telling me i'm not hearing much about it at all over here in barstool land oh god I'm, oh. I'm that's a whole other conversation that we could have that i have never ever heard of that podcast ever i mean i've heard of barstool before i had never heard of that podcast uh call me dad call her daddy or whatever and yeah. it's like huge and there's this controversy i never even heard of it before no me either it's a different demographic a different kind of podcast listener joe rogan style podcast yeah. listener yeah i got it now did the cia set out to um rock like a hurricane <laughs> as well i mean did they write all of the i mean how much how much did this much... really do i mean you'll have to listen to find yeah. out i guess Oh, color me intrigued. 
Um, uh, do we still want to do the Amazon plug of the week, well, I, Bobby? I think, I think we have to because yeah, financially so. we need you to go buy things from Amazon through our link. Uh, so this week... New cords. Yep. Th- this week I'm featuring the uh, Amazon plug of the week is the Ugreen brand mini USB cable 2.0 <laughs> type A to mini yeah. B cable charging. <laughs> that one, this sounds familiar. <laughs> uh, I ordered this cable on December 19th, 2016 uh for my uh usb microphone that most all of us use the same model uh microphone as we're recording the podcast and it replaced for me the cable that came the og cable that came with the mic and it's a much sturdier it comes in three six and ten foot increments and uh, my my three footer is doing the job it has been for several years now it makes me realize just how long we've been doing this that i bought a replacement cable three and a half years ago Mm-hmm. Don't think about it too closely, Bobby. And uh, it's it's doing just fine. It was at five dollars, five dollars and twenty nine cents, well spent. And oh, so if I can't do that, I'm if sorry. you I'm if, need to be reimbursed, do we have what's our what system do we use? Concur. I mean, what's our... uh, if you have uh, an Audio Technica uh, USB and XLR microphone, and you need a new USB cable for it, as someone uh, on this podcast does, I suggest using this link. So there's your plug of the week. <laughs> Boom. One sale. Done. Let's get out of here before that cord like stops working. Cause we're, yeah. I, I think that's enough housekeeping <laughs> yeah. for yeah. the day. Yeah. Oh, uh, well, <laughs> Support us I, through that link. I have one other recommendation. Um, oh, good. All of your smart friends on Facebook and Twitter have told you which um, organizations to support right now while things continue in this world um, for equity and fairness. Um and, and where you live and your ability to give is different than mine and anyone else here. So rather than recommending a particular charity or charitable cause or whatever, I'll just say, go find the smartest person, the most thoughtful person you know on social media, figure out where they have donated because they've probably posted something about it and then listen to them. But if you can find an organization that is making a difference in your community and is led by black people and has um, genuine causes in mind, and you have a few bucks, and you've already ordered your USB cable, uh, go go do that. <laughs> so rather than rattling off a whole list of one, uh, good ones, um, go go do the research and, and pick one. That's all. We trust that our listeners yeah. will make good decisions exactly. on that. Yeah. yeah. Oh. All right, let's get the hell out of here. Yeah. If you would like to get involved with the show and we really encourage you to this was a heavy episode you may have some thoughts we welcome (laughs) your participation uh this show has everything.com throw your phone.com is always a great place to send us a comment from i'm sure we will have discussions about this on our facebook group you are more than welcome to join our show twitter is at tishy show Email us, please do, at tishi at 10710.com. Send us a voice memo if you would like to describe how you're feeling. Or, you know, just fax Bobby a butt. He could use a few good butts. We need some levity here. Couldn't we all right now? (laughs) Over at 617-354-8513. I think this turned out to be good. Yeah, it did. Guys. I did. I think it worked. I mean, we one of the... um, pros for doing this is that it is already sunday and we're like oh this will be a much shorter show than trying to (laughs) redo the boston show (laughs) 
She says as one hour and 54 minutes scrolls by on hey, it, when a When a plane of sadness is circling, it's hard to land it. Yeah. Yep. You just got to do it. But uh, to everybody listening, um, it's a hard time. And yeah. wash your hands, social distance, hug your people that you're not social distancing from. What What did I say? Back in the day, if as long as we stay, well, yeah, as long as we don't stick together, we can yeah. get through this. Yeah, yep. We love y'all. Yep. Thanks for joining us, and uh, that was everything. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> In Hot Mississippi, surrounded by four walls that ain't so pretty. His parents give him love and affection to keep him strong, moving in the right direction, living just enough, just enough for the city. She
There's a whole lot of everything. Yeah. I gotta go lie down. <laughs> no. God. Oh, I forgot that I recommend a long hot shower. <laughs> oh, <laughs> best. <laughs>